Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. How many of you know when he won our victory, containing that victory is our success? Thank you, Amen. Amen. His definition of success not just man's definition. Right. Yeah. Man's definition of success can look one way, but there's no sorrow in it. In God's definition, there's no sorrow in his definition of success. And much of man's success has sorrow connected to it because for man to have a measure of success in the natural realm, they're going to have to steal from another arena. They're going to have to steal from their spiritual life. They're going to have to steal from their life of serving in the local church. They're going to have to steal from something to furnish that arena. So it's not about us formulating our success. It's about us realizing that divine success is in us. How do we draw on it? How do we activate it? What gets it moving? Amen. And so when he said that to me, He brought before me Joshua chapter one, verse eight. We were talking this morning that when, when God spoke this, this passage to Joshua, he was at a very critical time. He was at a transition season. We all go through transition seasons in our life. I don't care who you are. You know, you transition from being a child to being a teenager, to being a young adult, to being a married person, to being a parent. Right. And then some will transition into different fivefold offices. Some transition into serving in their local churches and capacities. You transition your business life. Transitions are so important. Uh, and transitions are the time you're most susceptible to something getting out of place. When you're, when you're standing somewhere sure-footed, you, you, you arrive at something, you're sure-footed. But when you go to step into another room, another level yes. in that stepping there's a there you're susceptible that if something is brought in a, a, a wrong doctrine a, a wrong thought that it's at a time of transition and it makes sense because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9 he said a great ineffectual door is open on me what's a door it's a transition yeah. a transition into more Something more is being offered. And he said, a great and effectual door has been opened unto me, but there are adversaries at the door. Why? The devil knows that at a time of transition, that's when you're most susceptible to him getting in. And so uh, this is the season that Joshua was at. Moses had just died. And now Joshua is stepping in as leader. If he steps into this mantle and into this role as leader with some wrong thinking, Mm -hmm. you see, then it's going to affect what happens in his leadership. And God at the very onset starts dealing with and giving him instructions so that he can progress into what God has for his people without fault and without error. And so uh, you understand he's talking to Joshua, dealing with a generation that has just died, a generation who never arrived. And uh, Joshua is now dealing with the second generation 
And as we said this morning, the problem with the second generation is they were trained by the first generation. That's a big problem. The first generation was a generation of complainers, murmurs. They were disobedient. They They didn't have faith to move with God. Every time they were faced with opposition, they reverted back to their old ways. Now let me say how important it is that when you sit under your pastor and they're putting the word in you, they're putting the word in you for what's coming. They're stocking the shelves of your spirit with the answers that you're going to need at a time of opposition, at a time of testing. And the last thing you want to do is throw all that aside and just go back to the way you always operated, back to the way you always responded. That's the worst thing you can do. And this is exactly what these Hebrews did. Every time they hit a place of pressure put on them, they, they went and reverted back to slave mentality. What was slave mentality? Well, anytime you have a people that's been enslaved, you find someone who's disgruntled. Absolutely. And in the natural with righteous cause in the sense of they don't belong to themselves. They, their, their food doesn't belong to them. Their life doesn't belong to them. Their children doesn't belong to them. Their home doesn't belong to them. Nothing they have belongs to them. So you can see that, uh, there's, uh, there's no place of gratitude unless you think right. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> you got to find gratitude when gratitude doesn't look apparent. That's right. And this is what we find in the life of Joseph is he was grateful no matter. He was first a shepherd boy and then demoted to a slave and then further demoted to a prisoner. But he kept rising because he kept thinking right at those transitions. And then what happened was these people delivered out of Egypt, they came out wealthy, they came out healed and still couldn't think right. Why? They would not lay down the way they used to live. They would not lay down the way they used to talk. They would not lay down the way they used to think. How do we know that that's the way they used to think? Because that's the way they did. That's how they responded when they were in the wilderness. And every time opposition showed up, they complained against leadership. They griped against God. They griped against Aaron. They griped against us. They griped against everything was a gripe, a complaint. There was absolutely no show of gratitude at a time of opposition. Let me tell you how to get past opposition. Be grateful for the last opposition God got you through. Remember, remember, remember. If you have a short-lived memory, when it comes to spiritual blessings, you will have a weak faith. You have to remember, remember. And what you forget can cost you. But what you remember can get you into the fullness. And so at a time when it looked like, when, when these reports came back from the spies, where's grasshoppers in our sight? Wait a minute. Somebody should have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. God didn't bring us out as grasshoppers. There were miracles worked. 
God healed us. God turned the wealth of Egypt into our hands. There's been a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. That's not happening to grasshoppers. Somebody should have checked that leader, that leader of doubt. I want to know, now we know Joshua and Caleb said, we can go in, come on, we can, we can do it. But why weren't the rest of them saying, wait, what did Moses say? What did, Mo, what did our man of God, no, we might not be that acquainted with God that we're not agreeing with, but there's a man in front of us that had a, an experience with God. We saw him being used by God, holding the rod of God and delivering us out of Egypt. What does he say? Listen, when, you're, when you're pre- your mind is being pressed upon to think wrong, go back to, what's my pastor say? Yeah. That helps you yeah. locate yeah. where your thinking yeah. should be. Amen. Amen. And somebody should have just said, wait a minute. The man of God said yeah. that God told him there's a lamb flowing with milk and honey that has been assigned to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You don't even have to hold to what God said. What the man of God say? Yeah. Yeah. The man you can see. Right. But no one referenced Moses. Joshua and Caleb referenced God, but even when these other ten spies wouldn't reference God, at least they should have referenced their their man of God. Why didn't they? because every man that had been over him was a, was a master. This man, that Moses was not there as a master. He was there as God's man to lead them into God's plan. And they wouldn't, they, they just kicked against every, they kicked against leadership because they spent generations kicking against leadership when you can understand why they did. But now, listen, we're free. We're healed. We're not broke anymore. I mean, they had, in one day, think of it, one day, they eat the Passover lamb, they come out of their homes, bodies straight, bodies healed. Complete health from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And then that same day, they walk out with the wealth of Egypt and they walk into their freedom in one day. There were many things that led up to that one day, but in one day, everything changed. Everything changed. Do you know, can I tell you, you've had a day like that. It's called the new birth. In one day, everything changed. Your health, your supply, the plan of God for your life, in one day, no more bound by sin. Sin has no more dominion Amen. over you. Sin shall not lord it over you. In one day. But what's the difference? Is they forgot that that one day delivered them into freedom, delivered them into wholeness, delivered them into wealth. And if God did all of that, my goodness, it's a little thing for him to get us into the land he said's already ours. We say, I just can't believe they did that. Well, we're offered more. We have a better covenant. You understand? What am I saying? Why aren't we? Amen. We said it this morning. The important thing that God was offering them 
was, he said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Meaning we never reach the bottom. There's a continual flow of supply, continual flow of health. Too many of us have been living looking at the bottom. The bottom of our resources, the bottom of health. I mean, all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of problems. And we see the bottom too often. We're living at the wrong level. There's a land, there's a fullness, there's a blessing that belongs to us that flows, flows, flows. Not stop and start, not get a little bit and run out. It flows, flows with milk and honey. Amen. So at this time, uh, Joshua is leading the people and God says, I've got to get him started out the right way. Because if we don't change the way things have been going, second generation won't get in either. So for 40 years, they never arrived. And so Joshua, God speaks to him. And I I love, you know, people will make much of people. And I tell you, Moses was, there was none like him in the earth at the time. The, The word made mention of that. And that this is a man that God talked to face to face. God made mention of that. But you know what his eulogy was from God? My, so, my servant Moses is dead. <laughs> Boom. That's it. Exactly. What's that mean? Go ahead. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Don't live in the past. Yeah. You better turn the page. Yeah. You better yeah. get off the thinking. Well, for 40 years we couldn't get in. What makes us think? It's a new day. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Come on. Let's go to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it looks like God is pretty cold, but this is how you get to the next. Pa- yeah. This is how you get to the next yeah. season quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. Don't hang on to the previous season. Build on it, but don't hang on to it. You know, when my children came and told me, and I I reference this not because I try to try to magnify it, but because I want to help people with right thinking. The day my children came and told me that my husband's plane had gone down, one of the first statements out of my mouth was, okay, we turn the page right now. Yeah. What am I saying? It won't, it won't do any good to linger. Yeah. 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 It won't do any good to reminisce and think about. That's not a dishonor to say, okay, it's a new day. Yeah. It's another day. Yeah. It's, an, it's another page. Yeah. Turn it. The quicker we turn it, That's the right. quicker we write the plan of God into our lives. Amen. It won't do any good to sit here for a week, a month, and go, oh... Just turn the page. Just get on with it. Get on. Faith is always moving ahead. It's not sitting and camping on what has not happened or what hasn't gone right. That's right. You might say there's disappointments and regrets in your life. That may be true, but you know what? Get off of it. Go on. I've got, in the natural, I could have regrets. We could all have regrets. But the good thing is Jesus redeemed us from all sorrows and griefs. And regrets bring sorrow. And we're redeemed from sorrow. In other words, we're redeemed from camping on our failures. And this is what Jesus was dealing with me about that day when he spoke to me. And he said, you've failed many, many times, but I never have. Basically, he was saying this, don't look at what you failed, look at my success. Uh 
The way you come into the success that's on the inside of you, the way you activate the success that's on the inside of you is quit talking about where you missed it. Amen. Repent for when you miss it. Don't act like you didn't miss it. Repent, but then move on. Turn the page, go on. And that's basically what God said regarding Moses and that generation. Moses, my servant, is dead. Boom. Page turned. Now he's telling them how to arrive at success with this generation. And he gave him not pages and volumes of instruction. He gave him one verse. Joshua chapter one, verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So notice God's telling us how to arrive at the success that he authored for us. This verse is telling us how to arrive at the success that belongs to us. But notice he's not mentioned in the verse. And the devil's not mentioned in the verse. The word is mentioned three times. The individual is mentioned five times. What we do with the word is going to determine the success we experience. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm called. That's not how you arrive at success. That's right. That's good. Yeah. right. Well, I go to church. That's not how you arrive at success. Now, don't misunderstand me. You can't be educated if you don't have a church. Spiritually, you'll never be educated. You'll have spiritual literates who don't go to church. That's what you have in education or academically, right? If, if children do not grow up going to school and being instructed, they become illiterates and they're illiterates academic illiterates through their life right. unless, they're, unless they're taught. Well, that's the thing is with people that who don't have pastors are spiritual illiterates yeah, right. because they need someone to yeah. teach them the that's word. Right. Yeah. But someone teaching you the word is still not what you're doing with the word. Right. That's right. Dad Hagen made a statement that's quite astounding and he said, he said, the revelation I teach you isn't going to help you. He said, you got to get it for yourself if you want your life changed. What did he mean? It's good to hear. Hearing, hearing st- instruction and hearing teaching encourages us. But I guarantee you this, until you learn how to stand and face opposition and be a doer of the word yourself, it doesn't matter how Brother Hagen overcame. That's right. That's right. That's right. You got to overcome. And I tell you what, we all say, yes, amen, preach it, pastor, in the service when there's no demon sitting on your head. But when a demon shows up and sits on your situation, tries to sit on your finances, tries to sit on your health, tries to sit on your mind, brother, now we're going to find out what your, what's revelation to you. Because it all sounds easy and victorious when we're standing and saying amen. <laughs> but in the night hours, when things show up and start pushing, now we're going to find out what revelation you own. We're going to find out quick. And what Dad Hagen taught us and our pastors have taught us and different faith men have taught us, these faith giants, all they are is offering us what they learned, but we got to learn it. We got to learn it. Listen, their skill is not our skill. That's right. That's right. That's right. Let me tell you what, if a heavyweight champion of the world 
he has this belt he's awarded in the title. And he bequeaths that to his son. Mm. <laughs> so good. Don't you dare get no ring. That's right. <laughs> you might have the belt. Yeah, so good. You might be the son of. But you're fixing to get your brains beat without the skill. They can pass their inheritance to you, but they can't pass their worth to you. So good. You understand? They can pass their inheritance, but they can't pass you the worth. The worth is the skill you gain by facing the devil for yourself, facing the word for yourself, and winning at every at every pass of opposition. I tell you, you got to win on your own. It's not enough that your pastor wins. It's not enough that your pastor comes and tells you how he won. That's good. He had. That's part of his assignment to tell you how. But that's still not you winning. And this is what God was telling Joshua. This book of the law, it depends on how the individual treats this book. It's not enough to hear the pastor preach it. How are you going to treat the book when, when, when symptoms come? How are you going to treat the book when it looks like you can't pay your bills? How are you going to treat the book when it looks like children are going the wrong way? How are you going to treat the book? You're going to revert back to the old ways you did before you were born again? So many do. I'm going to tell you, I pastored for 25 years and there's nothing more disappointing than to watch someone who's been under you for years, heard what you heard, and then when crisis comes, they fall apart and act like they, that you've not even said a word to them. Amen. There's nothing more thrilling to a pastor than watching the sheep yes. walk out yeah. the word. When you see them walk the word. Amen. Hallelujah. You remember this is what God put his word in us for. Amen. To succeed in the face of failure. When failure's offered, we don't take it. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because failure's offered to everybody. <clears throat> so, as we said this morning, the last phrase of that verse is how to arrive at good success. The first two words of the verse are this book. Your success begins with this book. Whether or not you arrive at success depends on how you treat the book how you respect the book, mm -hmm. how you honor the book, yeah. how you remember right, yeah. the book at a time of opposition, yeah. the place you give the book in your life. Yeah. Seek ye first. Yeah. Yeah. First. Yeah. The word has to have first place. Yeah. First place, not second place. God doesn't take a shared seat. Amen. He won't Amen. share his seat with your business. Uh -huh. Come on. Right. He won't share his seat with your job. Amen. He either gets first place because he won't take a shared seat. Amen. So this book of the law, and then he gives us the three prescriptions for success. The first prescription, let me tell you, don't you ever let people tell you, uh, we... You have to remember this, we're not saved by works. But after we're saved, works are everything. And let me tell you what our primary work is, the work of believing. The disciples asked Jesus before he left the earth, said, what must we do 
that we can work the works of God. Mm-hmm. Notice this. What must we do mm-hmm. that we might work the works of God? So they recognize that when God works, He doesn't work apart from man. He involves man. Yes, he does. They saw Jesus as a man involved in God working. So they said, what must we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe. That's right. And I tell you what, believing is work. And if I could say this, Joshua chapter one, verse eight is the most compact description of the work of believing. Joshua chapter one tells you how to accomplish the work of believing. Number one, this book of law shall not depart out of your mouth. It is a work to hold the word in your mouth when circumstances are trying to yeah. hammer into yeah. your life. Yeah. That's right. That's it is a work to say, my God shall ah, supply when it looks like you don't have anything. It's a work to put down wrong thinking. It's a work to get rid of that uh, thought. How do you... The word says casting down imaginations. Mm-hmm. The best way to cast down imaginations is pick up a right thought. Amen. The work of believing. Mm-hmm. It's a work. Mm-hmm. And it's a work your pastor can't do for you. All he can do is instruct you in it, but he can't do it for you. No one can do the work of believing in your behalf. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. We have to learn to keep it in our mouth when everything's trying to pull it out of our mouth. He's letting Joshua know this is, this is the first place the first generation missed it. Their mouth was wrong. This is why they, didn't, they never arrived. Forty years of never arriving, their failure began with their mouth. And the first thing God addressed was their mouth. If you're going to arrive at success, I'm going to deal with your mouth. And it's not just a one-time saying. It's a lifestyle of saying. A lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle of saying the right thing. Not just moments of saying the right thing. A lifestyle of saying. This is the way we set ourselves. And we don't change. For an example, uh, about two weeks after my husband went home to be with the Lord, I was left with six and a half million dollars I was responsible for now. I needed a million immediately. And uh, about two weeks after, I get something this size, you know, a big envelope from the IRS, the biggest love letter they send. (laughs) I did not, before I even opened it, I picked it up and I said, Father, whatever is in here, I have a supply. What am I doing? This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth when an IRS law bill shows up. I got to keep it in my mouth when something shows up. And I said to him, I said, I don't, I don't know, because I, I wasn't up on all the business. It handled more of that. And uh, I said, this catches me by surprise, but not you. You have fully prepared for this. And I want you to know that I draw on and I receive the supply you prepared for this. I receive it. And I thank you for preparing it. I open it up and see six beautiful figures. Within a very short amount of time, I ended up paying just a total of $18,000 all the way down from six beautiful figures to $18,000. You say, did you contact them? No. I just, it just kept getting lower 
and lower and lower. Why? Because I didn't go, oh my gosh, God, I can't believe another bill. All that drama stuff doesn't work. And I'm going to tell you this, I knew this, just because I was a new widow, God was not going to give me a pass. I didn't get a free pass and falling apart and acting poor pity me. I was going to have to stand up on my faith feet and do the walk. Amen. And God just kept turning things and turning things and turning things and turning things. Why? Because when it looked overwhelming, I didn't let the word leave my mouth. I started talking before I started looking. That is so important that your, your mouth beats the opposition to the scene. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but it shall not depart. It's there all the time. You have what you say. The more you say it, the more you have it. The less you say it, the less you have it. So we measure our having by our saying. How much we have something is measured by us, not by God. It's measured by us. And it's not even measured by faith. It's measured by saying. Because you can have faith and not be saying. And you'll be doing without. Amen. It's not enough to have faith. You have to, you have to use it. You have to spend it. Faith comes by hearing. Faith does not operate by hearing. Now, you need to get that statement. Faith comes by hearing, but it does not operate by hearing. You can have a heart full of faith and none of it operating. Just saying it is how you operate it. Acting in line, speaking faith words, taking faith actions releases the faith that came through the hearing of the word. So too many times, so many people are just, I got to hear the word. I got to hear the word. I got to hear the word. That's right. But you better follow it up with what you're saying, what you're saying. My husband used to make this statement. Don't waste your time not saying. Right. Amen. Use your time to say what's in your heart. Amen. Now, why is it so important that this book, the law shall not depart out of your mouth? Well, The Holy Spirit is a performer. The Holy Spirit works with one thing, the Word. The Word. When we speak the Word, then He can perform. Now, we know this, that in Genesis, when the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Amplified says the Holy Spirit was hovering. The original hovercraft. He was hovering. Mm-hmm. Just because he was hovering, nothing was happening. He was hovering. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for God's words. When God said, let there be light or light be, what happens? Now he's got something to perform. And he quit hovering and began performing. As long as we don't speak, the Holy Spirit who is present in our lives and in us can only hover over our circumstances. We don't want Him just hovering. It's not enough that He's hovering. We want Him performing. And when we say, then we give Him permission to perform. We have to understand this. 
God doesn't perform and the Holy Ghost doesn't perform and Jesus doesn't do anything just because we need it done. Yeah. Right. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. That's good. Dad Hagen used to say this to us, God is a perfect gentleman. He won't do anything uninvited. Faith is nothing but you inviting God to move. That's all it is. It's you agreeing with what God says. That's what faith is. I agree. He said that he'd supply all my needs. I agree with that. You supply all my needs. When you agree, now he has permission and the Holy Ghost has permission to perform it. The Holy Spirit performs as long as we say. The day we say is the day he performs. The day we don't say is the day he can't perform. He performs to the level of our saying. This is why God said to Joshua, this book of the law, keep it in your mouth. Why? Because then you have heaven's help all the time. Heaven moving in your behalf. Amen. Now, we know this. Uh, Joshua being the leader, he's instructing the people. This isn't just the instruction that Joshua does and the people still complain and murmur. No, the people have to get this too. It's not enough that the pastor has faith. The people got to hook in. The people have to say the same thing. Don't just hear your pastor preach and it's a sermon to you, just a sermon. This is instruction on how to live, how to talk, what he's saying so that we'll know what to hook up with. Because if he doesn't, we don't move forward. Well, God loves me. God loved the Hebrews and he loved them the whole time they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and never arrived. He loved them the whole time. Love is not what gets you in. Yeah, that's right. Love provides it for you, but faith is what gets you into it. You have to understand that God loves me. He won't let me fail. He loved you so much. He provided success. But if you don't bring your faith, you're going to fail. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Well, in the first place we bring our faith is to our mouth. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of our mouth. The devil wants to downplay the importance of that. Mm-hmm. He wants to belittle that. Mm-hmm. And the mind will not sometimes, it'll dismiss the importance of that. Mm-hmm. But the word doesn't. Mm-hmm. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein. Day and night. Ah, meditation deals with your thought life. Yes, it does. The first instruction dealt with your, your saying in your mouth. What, that you meditate day and night deals with your thought life. Yeah. There's the big job. Yeah. There's the big job. Yeah. You yeah. thought your mouth was the big job. No, <laughs> the thoughts of what only you know what you're thinking when nobody else knows what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah. That's the big job. Yeah. You got to pay attention to every thought in your, in your, in your mind, every thought. In fact, you'll never have strong faith having a mind that's casual. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a strict attention over your mind. Pay attention. Haven't you ever found yourself, I mean, for weeks thinking about something that you were really worrying about and you were thinking about it for weeks in a worried way without him realizing you were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Pay attention. That means you have to put a whip in your hand and say, no, you don't. You're not thinking that way. No, you're not acting the way you used to act in your marriage. You're straightening up. You're going to quit trying to manipulate. You're going to quit trying to control things. You're going to straighten up. You're going to think right. And quit being easy on yourself. You understand? You have to take, you, 
listen, somebody's going to have a whip over your life. When you're a child, your parent has it. You know, they're the discipline in your life, right? They're the, they're the standard and they, they're the ones that will, so to speak, lower the boom on you if you're not complying. But as you get older, you have to pick up that whip and say, no, you don't flesh. No, you don't mind. If you don't, your mind will run off with you. Your flesh will run off with you and ruin your life. That's right. That's right. And when people will not pick up the whip over their life and put a standard and make themselves comply with it, what will happen? I mean, people will end up in prison and everything because somebody's going to have a whip over your life. And if you don't, the devil will pick it up. And I mean, he'll just tear up your home, tear up your health, tear up your family, tear up everything because somebody's got the whip. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody has to take charge. If you will take charge of your thought life, life will be so sweet for you. Life will be so sweet for you. And too many times in our word of faith, thank God for word of faith. But if we're not careful, we can just learn the lingo without having the thoughts to back it up. We learn faith words because we've been around it. We've learned the lingo. We learn how to make faith confessions. But laying in bed, we think, I don't know where I'm going to get the money from. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I guess I'm going to have to go out and get another. And see, we just start laying there and just start whipping through these natural thoughts like a Rolodex, just thumbing through it. Young people don't know what a Rolodex is. but. Yeah, we know. That's front row people know what it is. (laughs) And uh, this is the big job, the meditation, because it deals with your thought life and it deals with your attention, what you allow your attention on. Now, meditation is going to drive the word into your spirit. There are people that will say, you know, this faith message stuff doesn't work. You know, I've been confessing the word. Yeah, that's as long as you confess it from the mental arena, you get no results. You can say, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. And you will get the same amount of results by saying, my God shall supply from the mental arena. You get the same result, nothing, because these are spirit words. The faith that you have is not in your mind. It's in your spirit. That's why these words have to reach your spirit. If they just live in the mind, there's no faith mixed with them because there's no faith in your mind. When you, have you ever faced something and you seem to be overwhelmed and you seem like you're grasping? Have I been there to where you're grasping? I, I, I'm trying to believe God. You know, you know what the problem is? You're trying to believe with your mind. Every time you feel overwhelmed and you're stuck, feeling like you're grasping to try to make it through, it's because you're trying to believe with your mind. So you got to settle down and get your tongue connected to your spirit. How do you get this word in your spirit? Meditation drives it down into your spirit where faith resides. And too many times people are trying to spin the word they don't own. You have to own it before it'll work for you. How do you own it? You get it in your spirit. 
you know, you can't, you can't spend something you don't own. Right. And too many times people are trying to spend, spend scriptures they don't right. own. That's right. Meditation drives it down into your spirit. So th meditation does threefold things for you. What is it? Meditation deals with your thoughts, thoughts. your attention, and it deals with What's Getting the, the word down in your spirit. Getting the word in your spirit. Yep. Now, I'm going to give you a fourth thing that meditation does for you. It breaks limits off of you. Mm. Right. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is a big thing because every single one of us grew up in a different home, mm -hmm. a different system, mm -hmm. different communities. Mm -hmm. And in some communities, they're very okay with very little. They just want to have enough yeah. to make it, and they're, they're quite content with not much. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you don't measure success in life by just what you have, but I, I do tell you, what you have is going to depict how far you're reaching. Amen. Even if you don't, even if you say, you know what, I just want a little small house, that's fine. Absolutely. It's perfectly fine if that's where your joy is full. Right, right. But even if you just want something small, don't let your faith be small. Because enlarge your faith, because take whatever comes in extra and bless your church. Bless the, bless the body of Christ. Don't think small just because you don't want responsibilities and you don't want to have to deal with anything. That's, that's what the flesh wants. No pressure, no responsibilities, just live through life, just light and easy. But I tell you what, if you're going to live a life of, of faith, it's a press. Paul said, I press toward the mark. There's a press. There's a press. And so many people don't want the press. So they'd just rather live in the house that's not big enough, have a car that doesn't work right because they don't want to deal with the press. Come on. But if we're going to have a faith that pleases God, we're always reaching. We're always reaching. Always reaching. Always reaching. That means that God wants you to reach beyond what you thought you could have. You know, the only thing, the only thing that keeps us out of more is limited thinking. Limited thinking. People say, I could never live in a house like that. Nope, you're exactly right. You can't. What you need to do is get around things that are more that you, than you have and let it violate. <laughs> Just violate your flesh. Amen. Meditation breaks limits off your thinking. See, not only do you have to have your thinking enlarged, you have to have your spirit enlarged. Yeah. You know what Wigglesworth said? He said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Yeah. How'd that come? Meditation. Meditation. Meditation of the word. It enlarges. I want to read to you something. It'll bless you. It will. Uh, I, hope it, I hope it twists a few people <laughs> because that means it's hitting the target then. Uh, I like what it says, and just for time's sake, just let me read it to you, and you can note the scripture passages if you want. First Kings four twenty nine. 
through 31. 1 Kings 4, 29 through 31, the King James basically says, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding and largeness of heart. Mm -hmm. Largeness of heart. Mm -hmm. Now, remember that. The Amplified says, and God gave Solomon exceptionally much wisdom and understanding and breadth of mind. Mm -hmm. Listen, like the sand of the seashore. Think of that. Breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore. What's the sand of the seashore? Limitless. You absolutely cannot count. It's impossible to count the sand on the seashore. And God said his mind was limitless. Wow. And then it said Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the people of the east, all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men. Mm-hmm. What was that? Limits mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Limits yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. I want to read to you because the Bible lists this. Mm-hmm. The Bible lists this because I believe it's holding out something to get mm-hmm. people's uh, limits mm-hmm. challenged. Mm-hmm. It lists the wealth of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Let me read it to you. Um, it's listed in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 13. You may just want to, again, note it, and I can read it to you. Or you can go there. It doesn't matter. But uh, now Solomon, he reigned from 970 B.C. to 931 B.C. So that's 39 years he was king. Okay. And it says this during the time... He was king. Each year he received 25 tons of gold each year. So a ton is 2,000 pounds. 50,000 pounds of gold each year. By 39, let me tell you what that comes out to. 1,950,000 pounds of gold. Just gold. Which is in today's market valued at 2.2 trillion. Just him. Just him. Now, see, you say, are you telling us that we can have that much? I'm telling you that there's more than what your limits can offer you. Break limits off. Well, he was a king. I'm not talking about that he was a king. I'm talking about we need to break limits off. What breaks limit off? It says that God gave him largeness of heart and breadth of mind. How did he give it to him? Through him... His word, his word is how we get larger. When it gets down into your spirit, it's not just this mental thing. When it gets down into your spirit, it starts busting the ceilings off of your life. Through all of my years of working with staff and overseeing staff, there's one person I can't do anything with. No matter how much they love me, no matter how much they, li- they love the ministry, if they have limits and ceilings on them, I can't, I can't do anything more with yeah, them. Yeah. If I can't get them to break those off, yeah. I can't go, I, they can't keep up. Yeah. 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 No, no matter that I love them, mm-hmm. no matter that they love us, mm-hmm. they can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. God needs us to keep up. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Right. Yeah. The wealth of the sinner. Mm-hmm. 
is laid up for the just. But if we got these limits, we can't even keep up with what God is offering to us. This end time harvest needs a big, a big supply. But if we're just thinking, oh, I just don't want much of a response. We, we, we just, we, we, we dismiss ourselves from largeness. So let me go on and just read because I, I want to, I just want to read these words, not because I'm saying God's going to give you this amount, right. but I'm saying right. God wants you to see, well, let me just read it to you. <laughs> Every year, this is second Chronicles nine, verse 13. And this is the good news translation. Every year, King Solomon received over 25 tons of gold. There we said it's a total of 1,950,000 pounds total. In addition to the taxes paid by the traders and merchants. Well, taxes, oh, I'd like to be on the receiving end of that, right? In addition, uh, the kings of Arabia and the governors of the Israelite districts also brought him silver and gold. So that's more, that's above the gold that he's already getting this other way. Solomon made 200 large shields. Each of them was covered with 15 pounds of beaten gold. Just Equipment, right. equipment yeah. covered with gold. That's like, ladies, your blender, uh-huh. gold. <laughs> your frying pan, gold, you know? Yeah. 15 pounds and 300 smaller shields, each covered with eight pounds of gold. The king also had a large throne made. Part of it was covered with ivory, Know where they get ivory? Mm-hmm. Other countries. Mm-hmm. Where, do they, where does ivory come from? Elephant tusks. Yeah. You think they're just walking down the street with selling this stuff? No. <laughs> this, this man is a worldwide thinker. Yeah. Bring me back stuff from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Not just my region, not just what I can see, not just what we, is produced here and locally. From all over the world, I want it. All over the world, I want it. Part of it was covered with ivory, talking about his throne. The rest of it was covered with pure gold, of course. Six steps led up to the throne, and there was a footstool attached to the throne covered with gold. There were arms on each side of the throne, and the figure of a lion stood at each arm. Verse 19, 12 figures of lions were on the steps, one, on, one at either end of each step. No throne like this had ever existed in any other kingdom. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were made of gold. All the utensils were of pure gold. Silver was not considered valuable in Solomon's day. Why would that be so? Why would that be so? There's so much of it, it's dirt cheap. It's got no value. Yeah. Verse 21, he had fleets of ocean-going ships. Every three years, his fleet would return, bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. What's this mean? He's not content with what's near. He's got a world view. He's got a big vision. What is this? Limitless thinking, largeness of heart that says, if it's there, I can have it. He knew that the blessing of God on him was not limited to his local, his local region. Not limited to your county, not limited to your state, not, 
Pastors, what God can do in your church is not limited to the tithes of the people. Can I say this? No amount of money we got is great enough to fund the greatness of his plan. We got to quit thinking that we're sponsoring God. We can't sponsor the great the greatness of his plan. All we can do is hook our finances to it so we can get attached to the greatness. Congregations can't fund the greatness of the vision God gives a man. God doesn't limit it to the congregations to do. Their faith. Yeah. Get your faith on and it will just come. Yeah. Uh, several years ago, Francine, our, our financial gal, said to me, she said, Pastor Nancy, she said, I need to have a meeting with you about something. I said, what is it? She said, we paid out, I think it was, uh, if the figures were $125,000 more than we took in. She said, Pastor, I don't know how. I can't find it. I don't know how. And I said, you better be glad you got a boss that has faith that says you can't calculate the anointing. The calculator cannot calculate when the anointing, God will bring in and you don't know where it came from. You don't know how it got there. It's just there. See, we've got to get out of this mountain. Listen, loaves and fish, loaves and fish. Okay. Loaves and fish, loaves and fish. The disciples were not sponsoring the feeding program that day. They just brought what was available to them and God, Jesus looked up to heaven and blessed it. When it came down, it was in the same form. But when they're passing it out, it takes on a, a multiplication form. It just, they keep taking. And, the, and, and, and one of the writers said, that they took as much as they wanted. Ah, notice they weren't just saying, well, you know what? There's a lot of people here. I'll just take a little bit. Sarah, don't take but very much. Don't take very much. There's a lot of people here. No, it says they took as much as they want. They took as much as they wanted. What's that mean? The supply kept going as long as they kept taking. You don't have to withhold your reach trying to save God money. How many times have I heard the phrase trying to save God money? God doesn't have American currency. I'm not talking about wasting, but I'm just saying this, whatever you need, take it, take it. Whatever you want, take it. It, it kept multiplying as long as they kept taking. Why do people say, well, I never had multiplication. Well, how are you taking? Right. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so let's go back to reading about Solomon. How about that? Verse, verse 22, King Solomon was richer and wiser than any other king in the world. They all consulted him to hear the wisdom that God had given them. 
Each of them brought Solomon gifts, articles of silver, mm -hmm. gold, robes, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. This continued year after year. King Solomon also had 4,000 stalls for his chariots and horses and had 12,000 cavalry horses. He was supreme ruler of all the kings in the territory. During his reign, silver was as common in Jerusalem as stone and cedar. It was as plentiful as ordinary sycamore in the foothills. Wow. Amen. Amen. Now, God lists all this wealth. Yeah. We understand this is all natural. Yeah. We understand this is a bigger word, temporal. Yeah. Right. Burn up. Yeah. Burn up. Yeah. Right. If God will do that right. with temporal, That's right. Come on. how much more? Uh -huh. How much more yeah. with that which is eternal? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh -huh. Amen. Amen. I love, now think about, think about the mindset of Caleb. Caleb said, we can go in. Come on, let's go. Right. <laughs> when they finally got in, he goes up to Joshua and he said, you know how Moses said, because I was faithful to the Lord and I followed him wholly, that he's going to give me that certain amount of that certain land over there. Yeah. He said, give me my mountain. Yeah. On that mountain, it said, we're Anakims, yeah. giants. Yeah. And he said, there, give me my cities, not city, yeah. cities, yes. cities. Yeah. He wanted the biggest mountain with the biggest giants, yes. with the biggest fight. He was yes. not looking for, I want little responsibility. Yeah. I don't want much. Oh I don't God. want to do much. I just want to take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, whether we, we realize it or not, there's rankings in heaven. Yeah. Those who press into the fullness of what God has. Mm. They move up in the rank. Come on. Those who just want to do as little as they can, mm. bring as little as they can, mm. think as little as they can. There's no promotion of ranking, right. but there's going to be a day we're going to be thankful yeah. we reached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if this, in this earth, we'll be thankful, yeah. but I'm telling you in eternity, we'll be thankful Amen that we reached for fullness Amen. in his plan. Amen. And so we see with Caleb for 40 years of wandering and watching his whole generation die. Y'all can die, not me. Y'all go ahead and die, not me. I don't die till I get mine. Go ahead, die. So he wasn't watching other people failing to arrive and think, well, maybe I can't have mine. No, I'm getting mine. I don't care who lives, who dies. I don't care who doesn't arrive. I'm getting mine. Yep, that's the mindset of faith. I love you, but I ain't staying out for you. Not dying with you. I'm getting mine. And so after they got in, now it's been 45 years. That whole 40 years, he's been feasting in his thought life. He's been meditating on this mountain. He's been meditating on these giants. He's been meditating on what they look like when they're handing over everything to him and when they're, when they're running from him and when they're dying at his sword. 
good. It's, uh -huh. He wanted the biggest mountain that was covered with giants. I love the, mon I love the mindset. Why? Giants got the biggest houses. They got the biggest beds. Yeah. They got the biggest everything. Yeah. That's the one reason he went after that mountain. Yeah. Not because the giants, he wanted to create a name. He wanted to have largeness. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Amen. Amen. Meditation will enlarge you. Enlarge your desire, enlarge your reach, break small thinking off, break limits off, break. I can't have that. Why can't you have it? Why can't you? This verse is telling us how to get it. You say it, you think it, you meditate on it. You cast down every thought that says you're not going to get it. You deal with your thought life. Amen. I didn't pay attention. Watch what time I started. I, that's my bad habit. That's my bad habit. Is I, I forget that. It's my bad habit. You'll sleep next week. Thank you. Can I th can I show you the third thing in the verse? Are you still with me? What's the first prescription for success? What is it? It's got to be in your mouth. You gotta have the word as a lifestyle in your mouth. Second. Meditation. Meditation. Drive it down into your spirit. What else does it do? It deals, it deals with your thinking, deals with your attention. And break limits. It breaks limits. Bust limits off of you. Getting the word in your spirit. It's not enough that you can quote it. You got to go beyond quoting it. You got to get it down into your being. It has to become part of your substance. The third thing is this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So thou mayest observe to do. Mm. All of this saying and all of this meditating is to arrive us at the doing. Actions of faith, steps of faith that were taken steps of faith. Doesn't matter that you say it if you don't ever do it. That's right. Doesn't matter what you can quote if you never do. Doesn't matter. God said to me in 2011, February 2011, my husband and I were moving into the house that we were in when, when he went home to be with the Lord. On moving day, God said to me, you're going to live here four years. I didn't tell Ed that. You don't tell a man that when he's carrying furniture in. Wisdom is knowing when to say something. <laughs> and I never ended up saying it. And I'm so glad I didn't because it didn't involve him. At the two and a half year mark, he went home to be with the Lord. A few weeks after he went home to be with the Lord, I was walking down the hallway in that home and it's a lovely home, wonderful home, wonderful home. And I'm walking down the hallway and God said, you'll remember I told you you'd only be in this home four years. I said, yeah, I was trying to forget that. <laughs> Why? Because now I'm dealing with these projects that Ed had done. I've got two buildings to complete. I've got all kinds of things. And to think of throwing in a house, another house, on top of this, it was just like, this isn't much of a priority to me. Right. The good thing is it wasn't me doing it. So in February of 2014, just five months after Ed went home to be with the Lord, 
our Bible school students went to tour Sister Amy's house. God said to me two weeks after that, I'm going to give you that house. That's the house. So that's in February of 2014. So every day that I'm home, that I'm not traveling, I drive to that house and I park across the street from it. <laughs> and I look at it. Why? I got to get it in me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, my mind is really, this is going to be my house. Yeah. This is, because you know, it needs work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. Uh, renovation doesn't make me hesitate because I grew up seeing my parents do it. But just, I already owned, a, we had the ranch in Colorado, yeah. uh, 40 acre ranch, beautiful ranch. Then I have the house and then I'm looking at this house and I'm going, you're going to give me, I, I think the thing that blessed me and stood up so much to me is who it belonged to, yeah. who built it. That, that, that meant something that carried weight with me. It yeah. meant something to me. And so I would look at it, and I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of it, but it's very unique looking. Uh And I'd look at it and go, I've got to see myself living in that thing. Uh And I'd park across the street from it, and I'd look at it, and I'd talk to it and Uh said, God said you're mine. I say you're mine. You belong to me. Uh I'm going to live in you. The plan of God for my life is going to come to pass in you. I'd talk to it, and I'd say, angels, You've kept this house huh. for me. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you go get the supply for huh. it. That's right. You go That's get right. the supply for yeah. it. And I'm talking to it. What am I doing? I'm building, uh-huh. building it in me, yeah, building yeah, it in yeah, me. Yeah. I did that for 10 months. Uh-huh. At the end of 10 months, December of 2014, God said to me, in January, put in an offer uh-huh. on the house. Yeah. Now, he didn't say, when he said to me in February, I'm going to give you that house. I didn't immediately go and act and put in an offer. Why? You know where acting is listed in the verse? Third step. First step, in your mouth. Second step, meditate. Third step, then you act. This is where people miss it. They get thrilled about something God said and try to act. You better say it first. You better build it in you first. And then you get to act. Then your acting will work. Good. Now, I can't overemphasize this enough. When you act, have spirit-led actions. That's right. Not something you thunk up. You don't act trying to prove you got faith. You don't act trying to force the hand of God to give you something. You act because on the inside of you, there's a compelling of your faith and the leading of the spirit that I'm ready now. On the inside, my faith is ready for this. Dad Hagen would tell the story that when a a traveling minister years ago came to Raymond, talked to the students, and he had a car that wasn't very nice. You know, it was worn out. And God told this traveling minister to sew that car, and so he did. And within a couple days, somebody gave him a brand new car. Well, the students heard brand new car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they think, okay, if I do what he did, I get what he got. I'll give my car and I'll get a brand new car. What they left out was God told him. That's what they left out. Minor detail. 
so many of them, Dad Hagen had to get up and deal with them and say, quit giving away your cars. <laughs> because they were giving away their car and the rest of them, the, one, the ones that gave them away, they're walking for the rest of the two years. They're at Rhema. They don't have a car now. Yeah. Now they're imposing on people who have cars. Now they need rides and so it's a big mess. Yeah. Why? Because they all heard action, <laughs> but they didn't hear. Say it. Meditate on it, then you act. And so I knew if that house was going to come to pass, it wasn't because God said it. It was because I was full of what God said. When will the Spirit lead you to act? When you're full. When you're full. How do you get full? You put it in your mouth and you meditate on it. That's what fills it up. And when you get full, the the Holy Ghost will say, now. By the house. Now start the business. Now build the building. But you can't do it half full. The Holy Ghost will never tell you to do it half full. You got to get full. Amen. Amen. It says Abraham was fully persuaded. God was able. Fully persuaded, not partially persuaded. You got to be full of what you know. So God said to me in January, excuse me, in December, in January, put in an offer. And I did. And within a few months, I had the house and for the first time ever paid cash for a home in California. Now I own three homes. Uh Uh I still own them. Uh (laughs) How did that happen? I said it. Uh I meditated on it. When I was on the road, I would get, I had over 550 pictures of the inside and I, on my iPad and I would sit and plan, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I kept it in front of yeah. me all the time. Why is he giving me a house to renovate? Why? When I already had a house that didn't need renovation, he's not going to do what's easiest. He's going to do what's best for my faith. Yeah. What's best for your faith is a project. Yeah. You always need a project. Personally, you need a project. Your church needs a project. Why? To keep people's faith moving. God's always got to work for your faith to do. Always, always, always. When I'm sitting in my house one day, several years ago, I look out the window because it sits on top of a hill that looks across the lake. On the other side of the lake is a old historical building that used to, it's on 42 acres lakefront property and it was built as a country club. God said to me, you want that building? I said, I sure do. (laughs) Now I know how to get it. Say it, meditate on it. And then when you get full, then the spirit will lead you into act. He gave me the house to practice on because he had something bigger for me to do. The house is nothing but a practice place. Uh-huh. That's so good. Don't bypass the small things God gives you to practice on. If you don't succeed at the smaller ones, the next assignment won't come. You won't be ready for it. You won't be ready for it. You ever watched a movie, an old maybe war movie or something, and especially if you're going to watch, you know, like a period movie, you know, and they show the first time earlier, earliest versions of rifles. What is it? A musket? Yeah. They're not like our automatic weapons that we have today. You just pull the trigger and just continuous fire. Yeah. 
And, you know, you, you sit and watch a movie, you know, maybe they're fighting in the Civil War and a guy's shooting another guy and he takes one shot and then he's got to stop, get behind a tree, <laughs> pour in gunpowder, pour in a bullet, put a paper wad in, got to get a rod, pack it down, and then you get one shot out of all that, one shot. And the other guy shooting at you, he's doing the same thing. You talk about you had to go through steps to get a shot off. Yes. That's exactly what this verse is telling us. You got to go through steps to get a shot off. If I could say this, pouring the gunpowder in, pouring the bullet in and putting the paper wad in is the word in your mouth. Then they take that rod and they pack it. That's called meditation. Pack it down, pack it down, pack it. Why do they pack it down? Accuracy. If you don't pack it down, you're not going to hit the target. It, that's why a lot of people say things and never arrive. They never hit the target. Why? They didn't meditate. You don't, your, your faith isn't accurate without meditation. And then after you get those things done, you get the gun loaded, you pack it down, you get one, one shot. You don't want to miss. That's right. That's right. You don't want it to be something you thunk up. You want the Holy Ghost to direct your shot. He'll tell you, don't waste your shot. Amen. Hallelujah. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Meditate. Therein. How often? That means when something shows up that's an emergency of life, you can't meditate on it. You can't meditate on the problem. You'll never load your faith gun meditating on the problem. It's a real discipline to think and meditate on the word when everything is trying to pull you into what you see, into what you feel, into your feelings. Takes a discipline. Yeah. And I tell you, this is the work of believing. Yeah. This is Amen. the work of believing. You know why you know how we're gonna get miracles that belong to this era? Yeah. Say it, meditate on it, and then follow the Holy Ghost into it. Get full of it. Amen. Get full of it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you helped tonight? Success is in you, but it will not show up and function automatically. It's not automatic. Nothing of what God's provided for us shows up automatically. We have to activate it. That's right. That's good. What are the three steps? Say it. Come on. What what does your meditation contain? What's it deal with? Thought life, your tension, into your spirit, bust limits off of you. Yeah. I tell you what, until we know this without notes in front of us, we're not good at it. We have to. If there's some arena of your life that, that's not successful, we have to do these steps mm-hmm. for right. every arena. Yeah. We can't just do it once and throw it into every right. arena. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. We have to do that for the financial arena, yeah. the physical arena, mm-hmm. every single arena. We have to 
put it in our mouth, meditate on it, and then act in line with the Word and with what the Spirit leads us to do. Look at your life and say, what arena is not experiencing unhindered flow? Right. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assign my faith to these things. Yeah. Amen. 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 Are you helped tonight? Yeah. Did you get homework? You yeah. got a, lo- a boatload of homework yeah. for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life. See, you can cry in bed and lay in bed and say, oh God, I thought you loved me. Yeah, but you're still going to do the work of faith. Yeah. Yeah. The work of believing is lined out in these verses. Mm -hmm. God loves you, but just because he loves you, you're not going to experience all that he has. Love provided it, but you're going to have to do the work of faith to receive what love provided. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight. Oh, how we love thy law. It is our meditation all the day long. It's not just for the pastor to meditate on. It's our life. We thank you, Father, for giving us thoughts of the word. We take them. Father, your word is your thoughts. We take your thoughts. We make them ours. Thank you for giving us the best place to look. We're authorized to no longer look at circumstances, look at obstacles, look at challenges, look at difficulties. They're going to show up, but they're not worthy of our attention. What you say is how we choose to live. It gives us the best life, the faith life, the best life. And we're so thankful, Father. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Can I say this? If you'll get a hold of this message that we've taught this morning and tonight, it'll change the way you pray. So many people are praying for God to do something for them, and He's waiting for them to say something, meditate on it, and then act. He's not going to bypass these steps just because our need shows up. These steps are for our need. Amen. This got a failing nation. This one verse. They did it. They did it because they arrived. They arrived at the land that flowed with milk and honey. And they didn't, listen, They had supernatural, dramatic things that happened for them. A Red Sea parts, the defeat of Egypt was total. God appeared as a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, and all these magnificent manifestations would still be no substitute for them failing to do Joshua 1.8. I don't care what kind of prophecy has been spoken over you. I don't care what kind of call you have on your life. These things don't come to pass apart from us doing the work of believing. And Joshua 1.8 is the work of believing. Amen. Amen. 
This is how we activate the success in us. It's not about going out and making a living for ourselves and making things work. It's about getting the word in our mouth. It's about getting that in us through meditation and following the leading of the Spirit. You say, I don't know how to follow the leading of the Spirit. Listen, if you got the word in your mouth and you're meditating, you'll become sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Your success is waiting for your fullness of faith. It's waiting for your faith to arrive. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Our faith. Our success, our victory is waiting for our faith to show up. Amen. And this is, this is how faith shows up. Amen. Well, I tried that sometime back. No, no, no. It's, it's the way we live. It's the way we live. It's the way we live. Amen. Hallelujah.